When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another expedition of the Woke Bros. I'm Michael Jamal Brooks, joined as always by my compatriot and great friend, Big Wise. Wise, how you doing? I'm good, brother. Good to be back. Um, what's up to you and Rob, obviously, man? Rob Lopez, junior evil genius, steering the ship here, making sure that we stay uh, on our P's and Q's, Wise. Uh, you can, of course, if you haven't yet, listening to this you should absolutely click the subscribe button to the bomb feed where you can the black opinions matter feed where you can get black opinions matter monday as well as of course the woke bros usually on thursday but we give ourselves a little bit of flex but that's two shows a week that the people are really really appreciating across the board click subscribe give us a rating spread the word say that woke bros is your favorite incidentally if you're coming from this show shit um you can of course find me the michael brooks show get the whole global political educational experience at patreon.com slash tmbs very proud of what we're doing you can also really get a and now at this point very extensive flavor of the show uh on youtube uh, uh pretty aggressive with the clips now that we're monetized michael brooks show on youtube and of course you could also just Check it out and subscribe on iTunes. Waz, tell me all of the incredible ways that people can connect to the whole athletic Count the Dings universe. Yeah, man. As everybody knows, uh, by now I would hope that most people who are part of the Count the Dings community know that we got – Partially absorbed by the athletic. All of our NBA properties are now properties of the athletic. The same show, same attitude, same, you know, type of content that you come to expect from us. Um, exact same stuff happening behind the athletics paywall. Uh, you can get 40% off your first year, which comes out to $2.99 a month. You know, less, almost half a cup of Starbucks, uh, a grande at Starbucks, dude. Like, I think that's at, what, like, five? No, it's actually four seventy-five. But you know what I mean, man. Well, who, it, is, who is still going to Starbucks, Wise? Like, I, I take mean, your point, but Starbucks? Well, on. see, that's the thing. You 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 live in Brooklyn. It's the it's the coffee shop mecca. I'm in Encino, out in the burbs in the valley. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a bit different. <laughs> well, well, I'm Common sense solutions with Howard Schultz for me. That's exactly. that's pretty whack. Exactly. Um, but yeah, uh, count the dings. Excuse me. It's uh, theathletic.com backslash. Is it dings forty, Rob? I, I always forget the promo code. Honestly, Rob, are you there? Okay. <laughs> No okay, he might have stepped away, but anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, emphasis on junior evil genius, Jeez. yeah, 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 um, yeah, just count the the athletics.com, the athletic.com backslash dings 40. 
get 40% off, three bucks a month for the first year. Um, you know, not just our content. If you really follow specifically the NBA, as Zach Harper likes to say, it's hard to follow the NBA if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic at this point. Like, they've got some of the best and brightest in the game. And I don't just say that because I'm a team member because I was already subscribed before we became part of the the operation. So make sure you subscribe to theathletic.com. The bomb feed, count, uh, pack your knives, the, the Friday mailbag, those feeds are going to remain as is. They're going to stay as awesome as they, they've always been. Make sure you subscribe, rate to those things. And last but not least, if you're in the greater Chicago area, we encourage people to come out to Lincoln Hall on May 18th, Count the Dings Live, myself, Black Trey, Amin El Hassan, Zach Harper, Tom Haberstro, Ethan Strauss, Jade Hoy, uh, uh, Nitsan Bluestein, Eden Liu, uh, the whole crew, uh, Anthony Mays, everybody's going to be in the building. We got a couple of special guests lined up. You don't want to miss that. As the date draws near, tickets are going faster and faster, so you don't want to get uh, get left out in the cold, so to speak. Although it will be springtime in Chicago, so it won't be too Yeah, long. that's the right time to do that in Chicago. And, of course, we should also just add that this is really next Saturday. And this is going to be dropping on a Saturday. So a week from the day you're listening to this is the TMBS live show in Los Angeles at the bootleg theater with, of course, my woke bro. Big Waz is there. The great Anna Kasparian from the Young Turks, Nando Vila from Fusion News. Also, he, in fact, uh, covered uh, World Cup and writes on soccer for The Athletic. That's another connection right there. This show is absolutely something you're not going to want to miss. And I will, you know, they're definitely that. That pace is accelerating like crazy. You can get VIP tickets, come and hang out with us. A bunch of people have already done that. And uh, or or general admissions tickets, and we'll see you there April 20th. TMBS hits LA with Big Waz, Anna Kasparian, and Nando Vila. Amazing people, amazing lineup. See you there. Um, and of course, uh, all the rest of the things that you can do in that in that download you just got of information. So uh, we're gonna uh, and we're gonna hit some um, uh, political topics today. First, we're gonna start by talking about what's happening in the Sudan where uh, waves of protests that have been going on now for about four or five months uh, have resulted in the ouster of President Omar al-Bashir. And Omar al-Bashir has ran Sudan for 30 years. He came to power in 1989 as a coalition. Uh, he's a military guy. Uh, he also had a political partnership with um, right-leaning, very socially conservative Muslim parties and Sudan. And he's been kind of internationally known for being uh, wanted by the International Criminal Court because of uh, uh, war crimes he's accused of in the Darfur region, but also multiple other civil war uh, uh, situations, including like the, before the break off of South Sudan. Uh, I just think the real big takeaways, at least for me, from this story, and obviously it's a very complicated place and it's very inspiring and incredible anytime you see people put their bodies on the line uh, to to make change of any kind. Uh, and I will just plug, three months ago, Bill Fletcher Jr. and I talked about this. I would look that clip up on YouTube. He's one of the most savvy, worldly, brilliant guys in politics imaginable. And we went deep on it. He's the former president of the Trans-Africa Forum. 
But I think what's really interesting about this, just working backwards, and I'm going to throw to you quick wise by just like saying the table, the army is who's arrested him and is officially taken power now. And what's interesting is that people are still on the street because they're not accepting, at least a significant portion of them are not accepting that. So remember like in Egypt in 2011, there was that part of that huge uprising that was occurring across the Middle East against all of these old regimes. And Egypt being, you know, this major, uh, you know, an epicenter of that region, the whole MENA region, what ended up basically happening, and there was a period where you had a Muslim Brotherhood government that won an election that was in power, but essentially you didn't actually have a revolution. You know, you had a military that removed a dictator that sort of let some politics play out. And then at the end of the day, they ran the country. But now, of course, under General Sisi, arguably things are even far worse and more brutal than under Mubarak. So the Sudanese people are definitely demanding that this not follow a sort of similar cycle. They want really deep change. I think the other thing that's really important about this is that a lot of what they were demonstrating over and and coming across religious lines to do was a huge thing because Omar al-Bashir, like all right-wing leaders, was a very divide and conquer guy. But a lot of this was about labor issues and the price of bread, literally. Um, So a lot of economic and austerity concerns that actually reflect the rest of the world, which brings me to my third point, which is that, of course, covering war crimes with Darfur and things like that are really important. But it is really um, clear. And Nasreen Malik, who's a really good writer in The Guardian, made this point that, you know, several years ago, uh, like in 2007 and six and eight, like George Clooney and a bunch of Democrats and Hollywood types it was very trendy to talk about the crimes of Bashir and Darfur in the last couple of years, not only not so much of that, but, you know, a lot of the same kind of people that that hyped those international institutions were not paying attention to the Sudanese people themselves actually reclaiming their political fate. So there's a lot of stories here about, you know, Sudan in and of itself, but lessons about labor, about austerity, and also potentially another kind of media and culture failure with how we understand Africa uh, culturally and politically. Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but that, that part of the world, that region of the world has been, you know, there's been all kinds of violence and, and wars and, you know, proxy wars over resources and all, all the, the classic African story, right? Um, and these people have overthrown two governments in the last 48 hours because this military dude <laughs> that came in, they don't want him either because he's been complicit in all of the crazy shit that's been happening for decades over there in that part of the world. Um, obviously, it's always encouraging when you see an uprising take place from the actual people, the rank and file members of that society, right? Like, it's not a bunch of rich people. It's not the the privileged class. It's the, 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 the normal people of that society standing up. Uh, like you mentioned, I do, man, I remember Darfur was like, you would hear that word every other day. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Around that time that you were mentioning, it was celebrities mentioning it. I remember uh, if you'd go to a church, anytime you go to church, like at the end of the, at the end of mass at every Catholic church, they always do a list of special places or things or happenings that they're praying for. And Darfur was like <laughs> on that list for years, you know, like every Sunday they'd be um, sending prayers up for Darfur. You know, these type of things take usually take a very long time to resolve themselves. Uh, and 
every time there is a coup, there's always a power vacuum and there's always some thirst bucket ready to step in and fill it, right? Like, oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll gladly become the leader of this of this <laughs> nation. No, no matter what the people actually want, right? There's always somebody who sees, like, an opportunity for a power grab, and it usually is the military dudes because they have the guns. Um, yep. You know, so we're going to see how this plays out. I happen to be really close to a few people who are from Sudan, right? Like, I just came from Boss's house earlier. Um, he's from there. He's got family members that are still living there. My man, Amin El Hassan, obviously a member of Count the Dings. We should uh, get Amin on sometime and talk about Absolutely. This. If You know, if we yeah. had more time, we could have scheduled that. Yeah. But um, yeah. these are people who are very in tune with what's happening there. They're, they're in Sudan either every year or every other year. So these are people that aren't distant. And so this type of stuff hits home all the time. Um, and if you guys remember, I feel like Sudan was even put on the block list by, by President Trump at, yep. at, uh, at one point. So, um, yeah, man, this stuff hits close to home. And you know, on the flip, though, it's, what's also just another thing to, to put in about this is that, it, yes, I think it was on the Muslim ban list. But also, uh, maybe we should double check it. But I'm... 99% sure it is. Maybe if, if Rob is there, he could double check it. But I think, but the, but at the other hand, um, one of the ways in the last couple of years that al-Bashir had sort of been slightly less um, uh, alienated from places like Europe was that he was actually very vicious and very accommodating uh, in blocking migrants from getting into Europe, as an example. So, you know, the policies and the kind of re-entrenchment of xenophobia, that's obviously very extreme in the United States, but it's also happening in Europe as well. You know, it's kind of aided and abetted by this dude. And it's another example, I think, of how, um, you know, just of the sort of like ways that we talk about a place like Sudan as if it's like, you know, I mean, all, all of the stuff we already know, like it's, it's far out, like it isn't comparable to problems that are facing the rest of the world. Like it isn't connected to the problems of the rest of the world. It's also an interesting, you know, I think questions about even like the ICC are interesting, you know, maybe for another time too. not, you know, I don't think anybody would deny that Omar al-Bashir is a war criminal by any useful definition of that word. Um, and almost certainly should be in jail. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it, I guess you had some people in Bosnia uh, facing uh, charges, but in general, like the international just totally blown off by the United States and then really focused on Africa, which isn't to say I mean, there's plenty of war crimes in Africa, but there's plenty of war crimes. And there's plenty of crimes generally. Um, I mean, certainly in other parts of the world. And in fact, if you include things like Iraq, you know, that would implicate George Bush, and Tony Blair, and I would include those things. So there's a lot of stuff that flows out of this conversation. And, uh, you know, we got to really send our attention at least because, you know, this definitely isn't over. Um, you know, like the, the next phase of the conflict could be just starting right now. Right. And like you just said, Part of being, you know, a progressive or I wouldn't even say liberal, but somebody who cares about normal working everyday people, it's a global issue, right? Like these these populist uprisings are happening more and more because everywhere the wealth inequality, the 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 just straight up terrible conditions that it's got people up in arms, and that's and that's what it's gonna take. People actually straight up hitting the streets and getting these people to fuck up out of here. A lot of people are getting fed up more and more by the day, and we're seeing it all over the globe. So you know, obviously, we send our best regards to the people out in Sudan. We hope everybody can be as safe as possible.
just I, I had a conversation recently with a couple of uh, a couple of people, people with varying um, I want to say levels of interest in politics generally, right? Like you know, from somebody who's as tapped in as say you you or I, um, to somebody who just has a sort of passing interest in it, right? Um, so the the the, the spectrum as far as politically it went all over the place it, as far as this conversation is concerned and the topic of reparation actually you know what came up AOC came up and my homie was like yo I love what she's doing I love what she's pushing I love everything that she's about right now and somebody else said ah eh, I didn't like her answer on reparations and just dismissed her right and I, I like it, it's interesting to me that reparations has become sort of this I don't want to say it's a litmus test, but people are really, and again, I don't, the conversation is something that should be had, right? Um, the idea that somebody has a blind spot on reparations at this juncture, me personally, I don't think that it's a, it's, it's absolutely not a deal breaker for me because me being, you know, slightly cynical about this shit and understanding how politics work. Um, I just think it's fascinating that in this moment that we're even putting reparations on the table as far as like, all right, how serious a progressive are you? Um, you know, we're going to we're going to take your temperature as a progressive on this issue. Right. Like and make it something that uh, can be basically like a test. You know, like what do you score on your reparations score? It's it's interesting to me to, that we're in this moment. Um, I just you know, for me, practically and politically, um, especially when you talk about the Democratic coalition, which, by the way, full disclosure, like, even though I'm in America, I'm considered black, I would not be getting reparations, right? Like, I need to go get my reparations from France because <laughs> I'm right. descended from people from Haiti, right? Like, they were right. brought over right. by the French. Um, I, Somebody like me wouldn't even be getting reparations. It's literally the black American population. Um. I just think it's a practical matter and not even to, like sound like this incrementalist or pragmatist. I'm just like, this issue is radioactive and it's not radioactive just amongst, you know, the people, quote unquote, across the aisle, the GOP base. Like we already know it's a non-starter there. It's radioactive within the Democratic coalition. OK, there are people who are tried and true Democrats who don't feel that way about this issue. Right. It's an issue that straight up would only benefit ostensibly a very small fraction of the Democratic coalition, meaning descendants of black American slaves. And so politically, like the idea that a politician doesn't want to touch this, even a Democratic one, although ostensibly as a Democrat, you should be in favor of reparations, something that I'm not stupid enough or naive enough to understand why somebody doesn't want to touch it. You think Latin people give a fuck about black American reparations? No. You think uh, white Dems give a fuck about black American reparations? No. I would go as far to say, shit, man, my own people, Caribbean Americans, don't really give a fuck about reparations for black Americans. That's your Democratic coalition. Asian Americans, what like that's your coalition, right? Um, I just, it's just like just practically, it's hard for me to understand why 
This is an issue that could turn you against a Democratic candidate. Not the idea that it's not like, obviously, I'm for reparations for the descendants of black American slaves. Obviously, I know it's something that we could afford, as a matter of fact, as a country. It's not out of the realm of possibility that we could make this happen. And it's not impossible to figure out who descended from slaves. Like, there's records of this shit. Like, it's, it would not be impossible to prove this shit, right? Like, it's not like it's hard, it's impossible. That it would be, oh, so expensive to pay, literally put money in the pockets of descendants of slaves. I don't even see that as a problem. And the case for it is an obvious one. But I just think, you know, when it comes to coalition building, this shit is divisive and radioactive. It's not something, like, there's certain things, like, say, um, tuition-free um, public colleges and universities, right? Um, the idea that a Democrat wouldn't be pushing that makes no sense because their whole coalition is for it. And as a matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we could get some GOV po- GOP voters to be down with that. Like, those things are obvious. Yes, them should be out there pushing this shit. Um, th- there's certain issues that, like, when Democrats, you know, side with the big banks, so when Democrats do shit that go against their base, coalition voters, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? Reparations for blacks, not to say that Democrats should be opposing it, but the idea that every Democratic candidate should be stumping for, I just, I'm just like, man, y'all need to do more convincing. We need to go about convincing more people that this is something, this is, you know, a, a, a wrong that we need to be made right. Um, I think we're on the path to that. By starting the conversation, by asking people like AOC, even though, again, her answer, I wasn't feeling it was very dismissive and she needs to get better at it. But you see, Bernie, he's even moved on the subject from 2016 to now. Uh, I think, you know, obviously, I think it's a conversation that we need to have and it's dope that it's happening. But the idea that I dismiss a candidate because they're not right on reparations, I, I'm, you know, I don't understand that that concept. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to what you're saying. And I just think, like, I would put, like, I just think there's a couple of different things that come out of this, right? And and I'll, like, I'm going to just cover myself here, and I'll joke that say, you know, by saying it's covering. But it's like, look, I I am convinced uh, by people like uh, like Doherty and Marissa Barrara-Darren, I think there should be some form of reparations. I I do. Because I also think... It's a historical reckoning that would be good for yes. the country. And I also think it would be – by the way, I also do think it should be part of a global process because I actually do think things like canceling Caribbean debt needs to be part of it. So yeah. – and I'm not saying that. I want to be really clear too because to be honest with you, like I don't – you know, there's people like Adolph Reed who I have a huge amount of respect for who think that reparations are – in his words, he's like, I think they're stupid. So I'm not – and so – that isn't my position, but I want to be like really clear that like I'm not – I think that this is a totally valid argument. So I, you know, I don't I – don't, I happen to fall on one side of it, but it isn't, like a, it isn't like an argument where it's like I don't think that there isn't – like it's not like the good people who – the good people support it and then the only people who would oppose it are like the worst, right? There's people who are actually like Adolf Reed who are like – some of the most important intellectuals we have, and he opposes them. But I think the real part of this that frustrates me that what you're speaking to is kind of like, and you know, obviously I'll get really specific, right? Because I do think like the bottom line is, and it doesn't mean you don't criticize 
them and it doesn't mean you don't, you know, push for them to get better on certain things. But like for my politics and the things I care about, the idea that like the possibility of getting Bernie Sanders elected is a historic thing, period. Is it it perfect? Is it going to solve all of our problems? I would say not only no. But I, when I think about electing Bernie Sanders, I mean, especially when I think about certain things like like the climate, I'm thinking like this might be our last chance. Like having a president who's like an actually genuinely committed to a lot of really essential things, not all but a lot, is like not going to usher in a utopia. It's like maybe the last chance we have before or like everything just gives out because I don't think that like these problems are – decades in the making. And in my view, I do think that there are fundamental problems with capitalism. So the problem that I have with how this is deployed is like, is first of all, who gets primarily attacked over their position on reparations? Bernie Sanders, right? Whereas every other candidate does not support reparations in actuality. And in fact, I think is actually being way more disingenuous and cynical like I get that Bernie inelegantly has dismissed it at times, but then he goes and says the truth, which is that his program actually would have a huge amount of racial transfer. When you have people like Julian Castro saying like, ooh, well, come seriously on. about it, it's a fucking lie. And come it's actually, on. And it's, well, of course, come on, but it's such, it's so condescending. But even Kamala Harris and Elizabeth Warren, I mean, they do that two-step. You know, when you go out, they they end up saying exactly what Bernie says, except they don't have as good of or as ambitious a plan as Bernie. But they're but they pretend that they'll think about it. So to me, I'm not going to like I'm not going to play a game where because Bernie hasn't mastered woke speech, he's going to be held to a different standard. Fuck that. And the other thing, too, that is hard and difficult. And I'm not saying, I think it is worth taking on at some point. But like Ta-Nehisi Coates started the thing with Bernie in 2016. And he said, you know, Bernie always talks about reimagining what's politically possible, but then he won't support reparations. Okay, and you know what? Fair enough, that's a valid critique. However, uh, Hillary Clinton, as I always used to say in 2016, like where's the, I didn't, whoa, like I didn't realize there was a Marcus Garvey section of Hillary Clinton's website, okay. And the second part is, and this is where I'm just like, I want to just like put it on a level. Like Bernie also is a politician. <laughs> and when he's talking about <laughs> things that are politically impossible, but we need to expand our boundaries of what's possible, he's mostly talking about positions that a vast majority of people would get behind, like every single human being in this country having full health care, free college for all taking back power from the corporations that are cannibalizing this country, um, that you can get those people to, you know, the, a broad population to fight the corporate interests on those issues. That is different than, say, taking you, yeah, what's up? My, my, my uh, thing is, the, the whole, the, the reason why the Bernie conversation. Real quick. Let me just finish this real quick. I'll throw it right back to you. But that, I'm just saying that, that is fundamentally different than taking, an issue that 30% or 20% or 15% or 10% of people support and then saying we're going to wage on that. It's a different thing. I'm not saying sometimes you have to do that, 
But you have to recognize a basic political difference. And the final thing I just want to say real quick, like, you know, I don't know, man, like Bernie's the one who's putting gentrification on the table. Bernie's the one who's like more clear about racism and policing and using the phrase prison industrial complex and all of these broader sets. So like I support reparations of policy, but the way it's been deployed is cynical and dishonest. And I'm not going to play that game. Yeah, I. My my problem with the AOC comment that I you know I, it was what I, I, say I don't I don't honestly she know basically was like clean air is reparations that's a, like <laughs> essentially said, uh, you know what I'm saying like essentially like you know she, right now she's kind of a one issue uh, politician and it's about like climate change and it's about like you know, getting uh, uh, new jobs into the economy and, and you know, lowering our fossil fuel output and all of that shit. Like, we get it. Uh, I just think the problem with this, like, she was, she was, she was dismissive of the notion of reparations. Well, cool. you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. No. But my problem with dismissing somebody for that act is that you're dismissing the only serious people in American politics who you can even have the conversation with, right? Uh, like, that's the problem. It's like, Bernie's the only person who will have that conversation with you. You think Joe Biden would have that conversation with you? Well, no, but here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying, though, is that what's really starting to get me, though, is that Joe Biden might dishonestly, right? Like Exactly. It might happen that one of his advisors will say, hey, Joe, here's a good way to to fuck Bernie and pretend you're more left. Yes. So you support reparations. And then he'll say that, and then you'll say, oh, shit, you support a plan like Doherty's plan to actually create a program to, you know, to as a, as a restitution for the crimes of slavery and redlining and so on. And then Biden will say some shit like, well, you know, my, my uh, housing plan, and I think, you know, and, and then it's like, oh, so you mean the same shit like that someone, that all the other candidates say, except, in fact, in Bernie's case, actually... And just because of how racist this country is, his plan would be the biggest racial transfer of wealth in American history just because of disproportionate effects of things like poverty. So it's just it's so and again, Mike, I, I understand even the cold shit. I understand is because guess what? Again, Bernie's the only person talk about talking about wealth redistribution. Right. Like right. he's speaking about it in frank terms. And yes, reparations is a redistribution of American wealth, not, you know, some individual want the wealth of the country, our country, right? It's right. a redistribution of that wealth, a reallocation of our money, our funds, our resources to a certain amount of people, which, by the way, we always already do. See the fucking Trump tax cuts. Like, right. we already do that. That, like, a tax cut is a redistribution of wealth to only a select few people. We know what the fuck that is. Like, we already do that. Bernie's the only person speaking in these terms. Straight up, like, no, we're sucking fucking wealth from the top people and spreading it back out amongst the rank-and-file members of American society. So... That's why it just seems counterproductive that it's like, oh, fuck Bernie. He he don't want to do reparations. Like, yo, he's the only person having the conversation. You don't even have another vessel. Show it to me. Show me another serious vessel through which you can have this conversation. There ain't well, none. 
There isn't. And the thing that I, and again, it's that dynamic where you, you hit like, and, and then and sometimes look, sometimes it's obviously the right move to go to the person that's closest to you and push them. But like when it's tangible, like, like even like on another tip, like this question of like, like Bernie got in trouble because he said he didn't support open borders. Right now, in my utopian worldview, I support open borders, but that's like a decades-long political project, right? Mike, so, that's another issue. Know- By the way, that's another issue. Immigration is another issue that rank-and-file Democrats don't support that. That shit does not have broad appeal. The well, open, the concept of opening the American borders does not have broad appeal amongst the Democratic coalition. Period. The people that you fuck with don't support it. What you need to do is say, look, even if it has appeal or not, you need to abolish ICE. You need to demilitarize the border. You need, like, there are actual serious things that you need to make uh, clear that that's the position. But what ends up happening is it's like if you're on Twitter and there was a new New York Times report that came out about just like, you know, just basically like, you know, Here's what people on Twitter who are like Twitter influencers think in the Democratic Party, and here's what normal Democrats think, and it's everything you're talking about. Right. And, and it's like you – it's like Bernie's running to be president of the United States. He's not running to be head of a DSA study group. He's not yep. running to get a woke ratio on Twitter. Yep. So how do you, now on the other hand, of course, we want – we do want things like reparations and open borders to enlarge the possibility of our politics, but I'm not going to use those things to prove my bona fides and undermine by far the best candidate. Sorry. Again, by far the most progressive candidate. I'm not playing that game. That's why it's like when you stand the hands up, what are you ultimately doing? Like it's it's just silly to me. Um, it's just silly to me the idea as a progressive that you will have a progressive dismissal of the most progressive of person available, right? Um, again, it took Bernie running and losing in 2016 to even get where the fuck he's at right now, but he did it. He did it. He did go out and animate the imaginations of X amount of people. He did raise a bunch of money. He did it. He's a progressive politician who actually did it. And again, it's not to say that we shouldn't have the conversation, but the idea that we're going to denigrate, dismiss people, the AOCs and the Bernies who won, who won people on progressivism, right? Like these are the people that we can have the conversations with. You ain't having this combo with Kamala Harris. You ain't having this conversation with the Asian homie. (laughs) <laughs> the universal basic income homie. Oh, I, I do not like that particular Asian homie, but that's another conversation. Wait, you're not having this. That, no, you're not having that. You're not having the conversation about anything to do with power in the in the large sense and taking it back for people, including in the racial. In Genuine, the, in actual, racial ways. I know. And I think and I think that's and I think that's exactly it. So the question becomes like, look, on the positive end, if you're in media, if you have a platform, of course, the job, you know, is to keep pushing ideas and strategies and visions so we can get, 
you know, in my, at least in my opinion, you know, to that more and more, you know, radical world in a lot of areas. But on the other hand, if you're coming out in a certain way that undermines the best can't, like, I see certain people, the way they're operating in relation to Bernie. And it's so funny because the whole brand is like, oh, I'm so radical. But the actual practical effect is that, ironically, they might be being a great capitalist because it's good for their brand. But they're actually undermining a really unique chance. And I just think it's bullshit. I'm, I'm, and that's like my opinion across like even areas I know a lot more about. Like, of course, I oppose U.S. intervention in Venezuela. I have there's been a few things with Bernie that I thought needed to be like, oh, actually, we need to say we disagree. But on the other hand, it's like you actually have the Democratic front runner opposing a coup there. And I see people looking at it like, oh, I can't believe Bernie said that, you know, the 2017 election was blah, 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 blah. And it's like he's running for president of the United States. He's not your Twitter buddy. He is not like he's not part of your fucking subculture. If anything, what he's doing is providing an unparalleled opportunity to to make things like we shouldn't have coups in other countries. We need to dismantle the prison industrial complex and give everybody health care and college, you know, more palpable than at any other time. And the thing is, like, yeah, Bernie's always going to fall up short against the person imagining, you know. He's imagine. running for president. He right. has to. He has to. This is America, bro. This isn't some fucking hippie commune, bro. Like, and, and that's and that's the thing. Like, and that's not so, to, to go against a hippie commune. It's just like, bro, coalition building. That shit don't right. happen how it does on Twitter. I'm sorry. We gotta bring people together for common causes, bro. The cost of tuition, the cost of healthcare. Yes, rank and file Democratic voters all can get behind that shit. And again, the shit polls well on the other side, right? Like, we gotta, we gotta take these steps. And again, and you say to yourself, well, shit, why don't we already have it? Because a select few of very influential people have made it so that, you know, these issues don't get a light of day. But now they are. And now we're talking about it every fucking day. We're talking about Medicare for all every single day on the news. Every candidate got to answer the question. And then guess what they got to do? They got to explain exactly what it means. You know all the bullshit that happens at your doctor. This, this, this is what we want to do with it. Every single day. And then, yo, and you've even seen it, right? Um, even with something like Obamacare. Like, the Republicans have realized they can't run on fucking it up. They lost elections behind taking this shit away. And right. it used to be their number one thing, right? right? But guess what? And even if you want to say Barry's Obamacare shit was fe- was too feckless and all of that shit, which, which may be true, and fuck Joe Lieberman forever, which right. may be true, right? right? But guess what? The other side don't ever want to get rid of it. The people who would oppose us are just like, we can't. Well, this is we're losing on that. That's a win. Well, that's, I'm sorry. That's that's so well, that's another thing about understanding how politics works, right? Like I look, as a matter of policy, a hundred percent I don't I, and also, by the way, as a matter of personal experience, I'll be honest about that. I don't like Obamacare at all. For many years, it still did not cover me. And now that I can. I'm, you know, way overpaying for a shitty product, right? Like private health insurance sucks. But the bottom line is on a political level, even that plan introducing the idea of tens of millions of more people's heads, the reality that 
they get to have health care just for being a person. Or that the that, system that we currently had, the status quo sucked. And the status like, quo was criminally unacceptable. That. As soon as you make people reset their expectations, yes. that goes in the right direction. So the answer to Obamacare was like, yeah, of course it's not good enough. Of course it needs like, okay, in fact, you need, in my opinion, you just need a hundred percent of policy. But, but you, you know what, Mike? That people's expectations, which brings you in the right direction to do that. Right. Like claim a fucking W. Claim the, a the, fucking W. Listen, and that's the bottom line. The bottom line is we can't go back. We can't go back to insurance companies fucking you over because of pre-existing conditions. We introduced it. It's over. That's a, That can't ever be the case again. People realize, like, wow, that shit was fucked up. I can't believe they had that shit, right? Like, the parts of the fucking program that people love, well, we're never going back. Even if you want to call it Obamacare, even the people who hate him the most recognize, like, the shit that they was doing before was bullshit. And by the way, the, the way we get to that point is not by letting the other side win all the time. <laughs> I'm sorry. Right. We got to right. fucking win. What's, what's wild to me is, yeah, I mean, and this is where I get pissed off at, like, everybody basically besides you and, like, you know, the people that I <laughs> keep around with, right? Because you have people that I am – you know, like I'm a, I am, I am a fucking socialist. Right. And so I have that contingent, but that's, that, that's the type of contingent that's like, Oh, like Bernie, you know, he hasn't said on the first day he's in office that he's going to like, you know, Oh, I don't know, like, like uh, nationalize uh Ford motor company and uh, like, you know, repaint the streets or whatever the, like, you know, like, like and 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 say that like you know and and do a, a, a lecture on like the white patriarchy or whatever the fuck and then but then on the other hand you know you have you know these these centrists that actually do not have the actual commitments to justice and to equity but they will they will use those they will use that rhetoric i mean that again that just looping back to reparations what i find so amazing about it and, you know, Cornell West, of course, was the one who, like, got this perfectly. He's like, look, like, we're old men. We don't know all the buzzwords. Maybe even they don't even have the right policy at times. But just the way you could actually be in a position where, you know, uh, just nothing of a human being whose record at HUD actually, like, I don't think we'll ever really talk about it because he'll never go anywhere as a candidate because he really sucks and he's just terrible and the worst. But, like, right. Julian Castro increased – not only poverty generally, but absolutely disproportionate uh, poverty of people in color when he was head of HUD. In fact, when he, he was on Hillary's shortlist, a lot of progressive groups are actually organizing like cannot be him. Like he's horrible. Right. And people who don't look at the structure and the strategy and the bigger picture, you know, they'll be on Twitter, you know, uh, sniping about Bernie misphrasing something and then giving ammunition to, you know, to, to the Buttigieg's to the Harrises, to the, and all of these other candidates who not for it. Look, if you think that they have the same commitment to dealing with gentrification or healthcare or labor as Bernie, then, you know, I would like to sell you a multi-level marketing scheme. Like, yeah, and, man, shouts to tell me too. <laughs> um, so, um, exactly. and, here's the thing, and here's another thing that I'll say why it's, why I think, um, another part of it that I think is important that people don't realize is that if or when Bernie wins the nomination and eventually is able to defeat Donald Trump, the next time around, 
instead of Barry copycats like a Beto, like a Cory Booker, or even a Kamala Harris, we're going right. to have Bernie copycats. Right. <laughs> okay. Like no, that's that's that stay here. Look, dude, look at what look at what you are, and I'm and it's not just because of Bernie. But Bernie helped pave the way. And now who do we look at when we look at Congress? We look at, of course, of course, AOC, but also Ilan Omar. Yeah. Uh, Katie Porter is less flashy, but she's doing incredible work on the Finance Committee. Iona Presley, Rashida Tlaib. Like, that or comes it, from a new oh, by the way, political even environment. Get my, second choice, my second choice is still Warren. Give me some Warren yeah. copycats, bro. Give me some people that's following and heard me. Katie Porter studied under Warren. I mean, yes, exactly. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like that's, that's the other part that people aren't getting. It's about moving the ship, man. And again, this shit is a big-ass ship. It's not a fucking speedboat. Okay? You get, like these, these pivots don't happen on a dime. It has to happen gradually and slowly, bro. It that's just what it is. Okay? Just just from our last crop. Just think of Martin O'Malley, that motherfucker would get laughed off the stage. I'm sorry, bro. He will get laughed off the stage. I think he kind of was. <laughs> he, well, he was, but what I'm saying is like that's what we were dealing with back in 2015, 2016. Right. And look at where we've come. Look at where we've come. So, you know, I think that's another reason why it's important, because if Bernie does become the standard bearer for the party and we shift from Obama era, which, again, I'm a lot more bullish on Barry than most people are. Um, most progressives are. But, you know, the bottom line is Cory Booker just ain't good enough for me. OK, um, Kamala Harris, she's not good enough. I'm sorry. Like, I like these people. Oh, look, I mean, look. Whatever else you say about Obama, and I have, I mean, I'm my thing is I like Obama a lot as a man and as a leader, and I think his politics were mostly really bad, right? But here's one thing: it's like Obama spent his career in civil rights law, community organizing, academia, and local politics, not putting people in jail for nonviolent crimes, Kamala Harris, or trying to privatize the Newark schools for hedge funds. And you know, voting with pharmaceuticals and APAC all the time, Booker. And neither of them have a fraction. And none of them, I mean, watching Beto O'Rourke try to act like Barack Obama is embarrassing. It's like, yeah. dude, you're not that. <laughs> <laughs> and again, if if again, if Bernie becomes the standard bearer of the Democratic Party, the standard bearer is somebody who's straight up, his first priority in life is working people. That's it. That's, That's what we need. It. That's where we need to go. That's, That's what needs it. to happen. It's not That's about it. romanticizing Bernie as a saint or some idol. Or No, he's the most progressive candidate of my fucking life, bro. I'm sorry. That matters. That matters Period. a little bit. That matters a little bit more than the idea he's not perfect or great on reparations, you know. Um, that, and that's where, that's where I'm at. I don't have anything more to add. Do you have anything, Mike? No, I think, I think that's good. And, and I think, uh, I like, I, I think that we need to, you know, I like that idea of injecting, you know, injecting a little bit more strategy, uh, and things for sure. Um, as always, uh, wise, this is amazing. We're going to bank one next week and then yeah. soon we'll be sitting 
fucking sipping fresh squeezed juice in oh, the man, cool yeah. breeze of Los Angeles I'm together. I'm telling you, man, the sun out here hits your skin <laughs> different, Mike. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> I'm ready. I look forward, I look forward to seeing you next I'm weekend, ready for man. That, oh, that Saturday night, that dude. Because we were just mapping out the show, actually, right before we recorded this. I was sitting with David and Matt. We were just we were doing, like, a show outline. Get your tickets, Bootleg Theater, April 20th. It's going to be crazy good. And, of course, all the ways you can find me, patreon.com slash TMBS, Michael Brooks Show on YouTube, Michael Brooks Show on iTunes, uh, and also, you know, Majority Report. And uh, subscribe if you haven't yet. I don't know why you wouldn't, but subscribe. Make sure you don't miss anything from this feed. Um, get your tickets to the Chicago live show. I'm jealous about that. I wish I was going to that Count the Dings live show. I'm ready for another Count the Dings live show, as a matter of fact. Um, and tell, tell them again about all the, the athletic and all the ways they can tap Yeah, into man, it. just make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com backslash ding, get 40, dings 40, get 40% off, you know, for your first year, th- comes out to three bucks a month. Very affordable, man. And the content is yeah. incredible. It's not just our content. Our colleagues are some of the best and brightest in the entire industry. And that goes for every single sport. Uh, so, you know, I just want everybody to go out, subscribe to that. Uh, one last thing, man, they laid Nipsey Hussle to rest yesterday. Um, he had his service at Staples Center. The place was jam-packed. Um, they did a procession through South Central, all the way up to downtown, all through um, L.A., man. Um, the outpouring of love was overwhelming. It's kind of, man, it's been overwhelming to see the amount of love and appreciation that the guys received in, in these last few days. So, um, you know, I just wanted to say uh, thoughts thoughts go out to his family, the people who are closest to him, his children and stuff, man. Um it's been kind of crazy, very heavy in the city for the last two weeks, obviously, with this guy um, being slain. But I just wanted to send thoughts out to the people who are closest to Nipsey Hussle and, you know, all of his fans, everybody who gave a fuck about Nipsey Hussle, man. Um, you know, our thoughts are with you guys. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think uh, if you haven't yet, for any reason, please listen to the conversation we had with Trey uh, last week, because I think we did we honored him and got to the context and so yeah rest in peace and of course all appreciation to him and and everybody involved um all right we'll be back next week thank you rob thank you jade thanks everybody see you soon all right all right later bro later